Welcome to Lorehammer, episode 28, High Fleets. Hello and welcome to Lorehammer. Uh, my name is Eric. Hey, I'm Mark. And I'm Christian. Joining us today is Christian. Um, Jordan is not with us today. Yeah. God rest his soul. Yeah. Um, so if we sound missed. like groggy or anything, it's because it took us like 10 hours already to set this all up. Yeah. It's proper rough. levels. I don't even know. You had to turn on the computer somehow. I had to press a button to start recording. That was tough. That was difficult. That's not easy. Um, but uh, welcome back to Lorehammer. It's been a solid month since I've uh, chatted with you guys because I was not there for the last episode. Yeah. So that was... Uh, did you miss it? I, I did, actually. It's, nah. um, it's, well, it's, I guess the it's feelings only go baby. one way. What? Oh, that hurts. It's kinda, <laughs> it it kind of feels like it's my baby. So I was listening to the episode and I was enjoying it and laughing it, but also I was uh, missing out on participating. Mm-hmm. That mm, companionship, me, that made friendship. Me sad. Yeah. So, but either way, we're going to have a good episode today, and that's all that matters. Why'd you miss last episode? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, Space? I is. wasn't here. <laughs> He's busy getting tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but today's episode is all about Tyranids and Tyranid Hive Fleets and. Bugs. The bugs. The critty crawly bugs. Yeah. Space bugs, ground bugs, critty crawly space ground bugs. Yay. Those things. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Today's is all about bugs. But before we get started, there's a couple things I'm going to take care of. And uh, today, we're not going to do a game. I found a quote as we were doing research, and I'm going to share something with you guys. Uh, So right off the top, here we go. We cannot live through this. Mankind cannot live through this. In a single day, they have covered this planet with a flood of living blades and needle-fanged mouths. Kill one, and ten take its place. If they are truly without number, then our race is doomed to a violent death before every shred of our civilization is scoured away by a force more voracious than the fires of hells themselves. Death by the machine god. Death is here. That's a quote about my uh, in-laws. <laughs> <laughs> that is a quote by Magos biologist Varnak. And he actually comes into play in today's episode. Obviously, he is talking about the Tyranids themselves. It just seemed like really cool. And I wanted to share it with all these guys out here. Okay. Such a great reader. We're so motivated to die with the rest of humanity now. <laughs> Might as well just abandon all hope. I was, I was reading um, Black Templar quotes the other like probably a while ago yeah i seem to remember i was on this kick uh, a while ago and i was sending them to mark and christian and then all of a sudden i found this one about sigismund um getting his black armor for the first time yeah and it got me so fired up like while you're putting on your suit for work you're just like imagining you're putting on power armor no like honestly it was like one of the coolest i was like this is why i love the black templar like it was just like the quotes like within 40k like they have like a really good like place in my heart <laughs> you know uh, is that just me i don't know maybe maybe it's just me um, no, they're pretty cool yes i enjoy them uh if you have a cool quote obviously i would enjoy 
seeing that. Um, let's do something else before we get started. Another housework. We're going to talk about our Patreon. Oh, boy. And the reason we're talking about it is because uh, one of us, I'm not, not name names. pointing at people or staring at, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Mark and I have been chatting about Patreon. We're looking at, you know, we're chatting about its purpose, what it's serving, how we're giving back to you guys. And we've come to a realization that it's fucked. It's, it's all fucked. It's not good. Yeah. It's not great. So uh, we're doing a complete rework. So we've started to send stuff out, but as of this point, um, if you were to look at our Patreon, you'll see that our rewards are completely gone. Now, having said that, if if you have contributed at this point, yeah, um, you, like, if you deserve it, we're giving you stuff. Yes. So, so don't worry. If you contributed just so you can get a T-shirt, we're still going to send you it. Of course. It's just going forward. We're doing a complete rework of it. And instead of doing rewards, we're going to work out something else. Now, um, if you haven't received what we were supposed to send us a message. Yeah, just right? in case it got, we, we forgot about you, it got lost or yeah, whatever. Just but, in uh, case we're missing it, just yeah. send us a message, I know a, we'll a, work through a it. A couple people were like, oh, can we get a t-shirt size? And then we never heard back from you guys. So if you hear that and you never got a t-shirt, yeah, let us exactly. know. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. So we're, we're working our way through it, but we're doing a rework of it. Um, we're going to come out with some stuff in a couple of days. Probably by the time this episode is released, we'll have yeah. released um, what we're going for. We're, we're, instead of going for a reward type system, we're literally just going to put it out there. And if you guys want to contribute to adding things to the podcast, then we will, we want to give you guys an opportunity to do it. Yeah, basically like we plan on, we have a couple ideas of uh, things that we would like to help make the podcast itself better. Like we want a new microphone. So we're going to put up a uh, yeah, we'll, an ad for a microphone. Or yeah, whatever. like a target for a microphone. Yeah. And then you can um, contribute to that. And then every time we complete one of these goals, we'll take like a couple bucks and we'll put do a contest or do something simple with it. Yeah, exactly. But you have to contribute to that uh, specific goal in order to be entered into the contest. Yeah, we'll but, we'll come out with the specifics. Yeah, in there's a some bit. like that. But uh, it is being reworked, and if you haven't received your um, reward yet, please message us because we want to make sure you get it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that go. That being said. Uh, if you want to purchase Lorehammer merchandise, you can do that on Redbubble. We have a link on our Facebook to Redbubble. We also have a link on our Podbean to Redbubble. You can buy a lot of crap, like shirts and cups and... Crap is right. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. It's it's High knickknacks. quality. It's knickknacks, you know. Um, Shirts no, are not knickknacks, Eric. I view them, them as a knickknack. <laughs> I view them as optional. Uh. Um, but I honestly think that's all the housework yeah. that um, we have to do. So, I mean, we're only like 10 minutes in, but let's... I got a, I got a good story oh, to share. Oh, okay. And before that, yes. No, you're right. Share your story. And then there's one more thing I want to oh. talk about before we start. But go ahead. Okay. So just cruising around on Reddit and one guy's like, are there any good 40K podcasts? And then I'm like, oh, I'll just plug Lorehammer real quick. Is this... No, it's not the one you're okay. thinking of. All right. It's a, it's a better one. <laughs> I said, I said um, there are many stories. So I just said, uh, check out Lorehammer. It's a completely lore-based podcast. And then uh, throughout the day, people are responding, saying the things, oh, check out these guys, check out these guys. Uh, but one guy put uh, under, like, replied to mine. He's like, they had a guest on not too long ago that I wasn't a fan of, but other than for that, 10 out of 10. So I'm like, man, who is he not a fan of? <laughs> which, which guest? Which guest? So, like, I message <laughs> him uh, privately. I'm like, hey, like, oh, yeah, like, just always trying to make po uh, our podcast better. Like, was there a specific reason why you didn't like that guest? Who was that guest? Like, what episode? Like, just trying to get some details. And then he's like, uh, this is James, James Gilder. <laughs> <laughs> 
the guy who was on the last episode and he was just making a joke and i look at like his name it's james apalooza which is his name like <laughs> yeah. that's his tag oh my gosh yeah, so, so he was just poking fun at himself yeah yeah exactly oh, okay that's actually pretty um, funny let's toss those blankets on the those guitars i keep hearing like reverb all right now that we're back now that the guitars are taken care of um let's get into something else so do you, do you guys remember the Satan episode where I was uh, mispronouncing Satan or wondering what the correct one was? And yes. I like jokingly uh-huh. put out there like, oh, someone should listen to the entire episode and count all the different <laughs> ways that I said the word Satan. <laughs> um, and then Colin, who was on the last episode as well, he had listened to the episode and he sent us this. So uh, I thought it, like someone would just send us like a message, like a written one. But he sent us a recorded one. So take a listen. So that was what <laughs> Colin sent to us, which is uh, oh, which is pretty awesome. I was not expecting for that. a man who has very little free time. He appears <laughs> to have, a lot, have of, a lot of free time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that was very enjoyable to read. So it turns out the correct way to say it is Satan. Uh huh. Just so everyone is I'm just clear. surprised at the number of times you said it. Seventy-two yeah. for the one. <laughs> well, he counted that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, only did he listen to the podcast <laughs> once. He listened to it again, presumably. Well, yeah, because after the point where you said you have to go back and start again, <laughs> and then he had to like count and keep track of. So I'm guessing he had to pause at some point. <laughs> I, I'm, I like to think that he has like one of those like step counters oh, yeah. in his head, and he's just clicking <laughs> three every time yeah. he hears the word. Anyways, uh, thank you for that, Colin. It's appreciated. Now I know the correct way to say it, and it's Satan. Um, all right. Kitten. 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 Um, in that, uh, let's dive right into this. Yeah. So today we're talking about Tyranids, but more specifically, we're talking about Tyranid Hive fleets. Yeah. Uh, and then more specifically from that, we're talking <gasps> about three. Three fleets. We're going to be doing Behemoth, Kraken, and Leviathan. Yeah, the three major ones. The biggest ones that ever were. Dun, and ever dun. was. Uh-oh. What just happened here? Nope. Gosh, this computer thing is freaking me out. Uh-huh. I mean, without Jordan, this whole podcast really falls apart. Uh-huh. Whole, I'm so nervous. The chemistry in the room is quite right. You know, He's yeah. the silent glue that holds the group together. <laughs> the silent king. You're still filming on the computer, so I'm not sure if you're recording. No, we're definitely recording. <laughs> I'm just real nervous that it's not recording correctly. It's like my first uh. time podcasting. <laughs> he's like, he's got sweat on his face. He's like, oh, he's like on a first huh? date. <laughs> my palms, palms are sweaty. sweaty. Mom's spaghetti, you know. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Um, behemoth. High Fleet Behemoth. Well, just before we get oh, right okay. into it. Yes. So there are a number of different things when we're talking about the Tyranids fleets. Um, there are high fleets. <laughs> 
and there also are splinter fleets. And uh, the main difference between like high fleets and splinter fleets and uh, like all those kind of little things is uh, high fleets are like the main uh, the main arm of a Tyranid like invasion, where splinter fe- fleets are kind of like the fingers that kind of like reach out and like branch off and do other things where like the main branches the actual high fleet yeah you can have a bunch of like splinters come yeah. off of a major exactly high fleet. so yes. um like when we're talking about like leviathan it has a, n- a number of high f- or splinter fleets that go off and do different things and they might even still like be called leviathan by like imperial records but like technically they're a splinter like yes so yes. but today we're just going to talk about like the main yeah uh, fleet itself and what they would do yeah okay so um high fleet behemoth now this is the first major high fleet that the imperial man of man encountered and the date we have for that is uh 745 m41 yeah which it's always crazy when i read these dates like the tau date when they first emerged the nid date the the necron date they're just all like how recent they are yeah they're all like within like the last 500 years and uh, it's always just crazy sorry necron are 60 million years old no they? you have any proof of that yes no you don't have a single proof of that i do they told you that and you believe them you believe your overlords. i did believe it <laughs> they lied to me simple human they're brand new they were just born what yeah no yeah robot Robot babies. Yeah, yeah, robots can't be ancient here. So that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> we just invented them. <laughs> All right. Um, so the first documented contact or attack was on planet uh, Tyrin. Well, and that's where they get the name Tyranids. Yeah. Makes um, sense. Or and, is it Tyran and Tyranids? Or Tyrin and Tyranids or Tyran and Tyranids. Uh-huh. Mm. Doesn't matter how you want to say it. But it's definitely Tyrion. If somebody wants to count how, know, how many different ways. <laughs> it's no, definitely Tyranids. Um, so, and this planet, uh, when it was found, was completely overrun and stripped of its life. It, it's turned into a dead world. And yeah. this is a very normal thing for Tyranids to happen. Yeah. And let's, so a, a little bit of a backtrack is, you know, um, Years before that, decades before, exploratory fleets were sent out with these planets and they're found, you know, full of life and lush and full of growth or whatever. And then decades later, they'd send another probe out to these planets and all of a sudden they're all dead worlds. So uh. this, huh? Uh. What? You scared him. You scared oh, him. <laughs> no, but that, so that's, that's like, um, it's been, he's been out of the podcast game too long. No, I just I got to him. He doesn't know my net, my mannerisms anymore. <laughs> he can't pick up on. Social cues. Social cues. It's <laughs> just, just basic lost. human interaction, really. <laughs> lost so much. Um, but that is like, uh, they're, they're found to be all dead worlds, and it's reported like to the whoever it gets reported to the administratum, and they don't care about it. Right? It's just, just another planet. It's just another thing. They're like, all right, well, good to know that it was once full of life, and now it's void, but moving on, I guess. <laughs> we'll look into it in... Uh, hundred years when we have time. Right, exactly. <laughs> when we can send someone out yeah. there. Um, but then... The planet of Tyrion is actually stripped, and this was a. It was like a Mechanicum outpost on like the very outer reaches of the galaxy. Yeah, so it had it was actually like fortified and had like a defense post on it. So there was actually fighting going on in it, and like there's like Imperial Guard regiments. Um, there's like 
a small group of like are they Skitari? The yeah gar- the honor guard for the magos biologists because there was a, a magos biologist on there it's not really an honor guard it's just a standing army of the mechanicum okay Skitari. so there's one of those uh there was even like a small like fleet i think it was like three or four like spaceships that were made to guard yeah, like, so we're talking yeah. like an actual decent sized defense force which was capable of defending against the regular xenos that they would find in the fringes yeah but could not handle tyranids at all yeah so in the scouring of tyran um Me- megos biologist varnak that the guy whose quote i read earlier um in the last couple Did moments live <laughs> the last moments of his life. Ah, so no, he did not. Dang it. Uh, he sent out a data codex. Yeah. Um, and he shot it into like the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, that's the funny thing too. Like, yeah, he just like, yeah, put it hundreds of meters underground or something. Like. Yeah, like he like a physical <laughs> a physical yeah. thing because there could there was no communication off the planet and yeah. no one knew why. But yeah. they were just like we're we're screwed. Yeah. So he puts this there. And then Inquisitor Cryptman shows up years later, and he's the one who actually finds this data codex detailing the invasion of Tyran. Yeah. And he's like, oh, my God, like, this is, like, a huge threat to humanity. Yeah. So he um, tries to send a warning to the Imperium, and it can't go through. He's trying to do it through the Thandros tele- telepathic matrix. Yeah, it's probably just some like astropathic. Choir yeah, it's a or booster. Yeah. It's, it's a booster that it's trying to do. Yeah, um, so I can't even figure out computers and look at them trying to figure out astropathic choirs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he he tries to send it using that, but all the he finds out like it's broken and he can't use it. So he's like, well, that's not good. Yeah. So, so then, then he, he travels to Thandros. Yeah tries to figure out why it's broken and right. it was it's just it's completely useless because the thandro planet itself is also now a dead world yeah exactly so now he's like oh man like this is moving so he fixes the the matrix and he shoots a message out to the administratum the inquisition the ordo xenos gets involved and uh that at, it's at this moment that he's told to go to um ultramar yeah because he's like man like this is this whatever it is is heading towards ultramar yeah um go help them pre- prepare a defense and this is where the ordo xenos actually names it behemoth yeah they name this fleet behemoth so yeah that's kind of the, a brief history of how behemoth's name came to be and humanity's contact with it yeah um so behemoth on the way to like just eden planets or whatever you know they stopped by tyran ate all of tyran uh the next place they stopped was jaga and uh, it was a planet of orc free Buddhas, and this orc free Buddha of uh, Buddhas had like a pretty notable, notice, noticeable, notable fleet, and like it was known to like plague this region of space. Like it was a pretty big fleet, and it was completely wiped out, and the planet was stripped. Yeah, the uh, orc free Buddhas were actually known as the Star Crumpas, <laughs> and so I like to think they were like crumping. Mm, yes. Through, like to the stars <laughs> like these orcs are just like flinging their body parts around <laughs> crumping yeah yeah but yeah the jaga was decimated because of the tyranids like the orcs clearly lost all its biomass was absorbed yeah just strengthening them as they move forward yeah. um another noticeable thing that uh behemoth stopped at was solemnace and i don't know how to pronounce that but that's how i'm gonna pronounce it uh, solemnace is actually a necron tomb world that there were two tendrils 
Um, so you could call these splinter fleets even of the high fleet behemoth. Yeah. And they went towards Solemnice and then they actually actively avoided it yeah. for whatever reason. Don't, don't, because it's a Necron Tomb World. But anyways, (laughs) so they actively avoided it, and because they did that, they couldn't find any nutrient-rich planets. Yeah. So these hive fleets just went into stasis. Yeah. Because they couldn't afford to go on anymore because they lacked any energy. Yeah. And they probably and they just came from like the outer reaches of space, so they're probably already low to begin with. Like. Yeah. yeah. But it's just cool to note that they actively avoided this Necron Tomb World. Any other world, they'd go for it, but for some reason, they're not attacking this one. I like how you've tried to play up like, oh, yeah, the Necron are the greatest and the best. Like, they are. That's, <laughs> that's obviously why they're not attacking. I mean, yeah. if the shoe fits. No, it does or not Or in this fit. case, the, the fear. It's probably because that fits. world was already a dead world. And lacked any biomass. Yeah. Necron don't live on dead worlds. Some might. Some might. You don't know that. You don't know that, Eric. <laughs> Live on Do world. you know every tomb world? Yes. <laughs> even even the idea of a tomb world seems pretty dead to me, Eric. Usually, yes. Yeah, but seems <laughs> pretty dead. But there has to be life in order for there to be death. Oh my god! What does that even mean? <laughs> um, uh, and another one we're going to talk about is uh, Sibari. And uh, this was a fortress world to the Renegade Space Marine chapter, the Death Shadows. And uh, they had like a secret monastery there. I guess it wouldn't be a monastery if they're renegade. It, it was. It, it's it a fortress be. monastery. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. And they were probably completely wiped out and the planet was completely absorbed. So yeah. who knows how like garrison that fortress was. But I mean, if it's a chapter, you could. I mean, it's but Space it's Marines, rene- right? It's renegade though. So yeah. who knows? But it is Space Marines. Yeah. And Space Marines are not. Yeah. And up until swamps, the, you know. Yeah. And up until this point. Like they hadn't, they've been fighting Imperial Guard or whatever and eating Skatari, nothing crazy. But like this probably was like their first like true test of like fighting Space Marines, which are completely different. Very, very different. Um, and then this, uh, the next world we're going to talk about is is kind of where um, the Ultramarine story picks up. So Prandium was a world in the Ultramar Segmentum. I don't know if it's in the Ultramar system itself, but it's definitely in um, Ultramarine-controlled territory. Yeah. And this planet is, quote, the jewel um, of Ultramar. Yeah. It's also uh, known across the Imperium as, like, a paradise world. It's known for its, like, crazy organic, like, jungles and, and flora. Like yeah, just being beautiful and like it's it's renowned across the galaxy is like it's that valuable. yeah which is i mean it is an agri world yeah right so that's has lots of like organic Nut- mass dense on this planet soil. so it's tasty for a tyrant yeah. this <laughs> is um i believe and so the ultramarines like suffered like a really humiliating defeat on Prandium and lost and withdrew from the planet and like gave it up to the Tyranids. Yeah, they they probably were definitely not expecting the the it's a what new, was there. It's a totally new exactly. Threat. Like they didn't know how to counter it. And yeah, the Codex obviously wouldn't have a way to counter it. it. They've never been encountered before by them. So yeah, yeah, they obviously got there. It was not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the Ultramarines fled off the planet and doomed the planet to to be devoured. Yeah. Doomed the planet and then um, what's his face? Calgar, the chapter master of the Ultramarines. Yeah. Who was Rem- newly appointed at yeah. that time? So Re- like, remember oh. his name too. We're going to be talking about him a lot in this yeah. episode. So Calgar, uh, because of this loss, uh, he goes for a week without food or water. <gasps> 
Ooh. And what does he do? What a sacrifice. He just sits there? <laughs> so tough. And that makes up for sacrificing an entire wow. planet? Wow. It's just, it's so funny that yeah. they play it up like, oh man, like he like fasted because yeah. of the loss of these people. Like he's a space marine. He can go months without <laughs> food. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's or, or sleep or anything. He was right. just thinking too hard and just forgot to eat. That's, yeah. that's yeah. what it is. Exactly. Like, he was meditating in a trance-like state. Yeah. <laughs> right? But it's just like they make it sound like he was like... Another so, one of Calgar's mighty deeds. <laughs> mighty deeds. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, oh man, the boys in blue suck. <laughs> Anyways. So uh, after he comes out of the state, he's like, oh, this is like such a big threat that we're not ready for. So we have to change everything we do. New tactics, um, new like weapons and armor and everything. So he's like he does like a little bit of an overhaul. Yeah. Is what it sounded like when I was reading of like the Imperial, like the ultramarine kind of like tradition. He's like, we're going to have to change if we want to survive, which is actually pretty crazy for an ultramarine to do. Of course, just because of like the longstanding tradition that the ultramarines uh, would go into. Now, after uh, Prandium, we are we have the battle for McCraig, and this is where the um, the High Fleet really comes to a head. Yeah, because um, up until this point, the High Fleet has just been hitting planet after planet and not really facing much much resistance. Not like, at all. Yeah, so it just goes to the next planet thinking everything's going to be all well and good yeah so at this point um calgar says no more hit and runs and we're going to make our stand yeah so maybe he even abandons other planets within ultramar and he's like like we're preparing yeah specifically for the 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 battle of mccray yeah. so so they fortify the planet like it's already like a space marine chapter homeworld so it's always already pretty fortified but they Double up the walls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get more guns yeah. on the battlements. <laughs> right? <clears throat> yeah. Um, so the fleet is met in space combat above McCraig itself. Yeah. Um, and that's where the initial battle is joined. Um, but it's very, very quickly that mycetic spores just start raining down from the Tyranid fleet yeah. onto the planet itself. Yeah. And uh, as soon as this, as these mycetic spores hit the planet surface, they open up and out come a bunch of like tyranid organisms. A swarm. A swarm. The bugs have landed. Yeah. So uh, Calgar and the Ultramarines, they set up on, uh, what is it called? Cold Ridge Cold Steel? Cold Steel Ridge. Yeah. And uh, they're like, this is where we're going to fight them. And they slay like millions probably of just bugs and bugs and bugs. But they're taking casualties as well. And then... Uh, yeah, you just can't win in a war of attrition with Tyranids. Yeah, they can pump out way more yeah. numbers. No matter how, much, how well you're doing, if yeah. you're still losing guys, you're still going to lose the war. Yeah. But eventually the hive mind like sends one of its mightiest servants, the Swarm Lord, down to the planet to like finish this battle and take command of yeah. it. And in like um in in a race of like no name people, just bugs, generic bugs, this one actually pops up a couple times. This is actually one that has like an identity yeah. within the hive mind, this swarm lord. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh yeah, like he takes the swarm lord takes command of the battle and then it really starts to swing in their favor. And uh Calgar must have taken notice of this and like went to go challenge the swarm lord. Like he's seen this new contender on the field and then the tides are slowly changing. So Calgar and his honor guard rush the swarm lord and uh it does not end well no uh the swarm lord actually uh just like rips through calgar's honor guard and easy then, peasy. uh rips through calgar's leg uh-huh and his other leg Ugh. and his arm yes and his other arm ah and then one tiny eye oh 
God. So, well, Calgar still has his teeth, so he's still in the fight. Yes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> That's all the space where he needs. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the Swarm Lord destroys it. Like, yeah. it, it wasn't yeah. even a contest. Exactly. Um, now, obviously, because it's uh, Calgar, he's not allowed to die. No. Um, according even to, after missing or, all his legs. According to Games he's Workshop. Marine, I'm sure he's fine. Yeah. Of course walk, he is, because he's rescued by his plot armor. Off? <laughs> walk it off. <laughs> Shrug it off. Legs. Shrug it off. He's still got shoulders, right? <laughs> Um, so his, he's picked up by just like called? a Thunderhawk comes and picks him up and like the rest of his honor guard, like sacrifices their lives to like, um, so he can flee. like fight off this one coward. Lord. Yeah. Ba- basically. Yeah. He should have died. Run away if you don't have any legs. <laughs> I just want to point that out. <laughs> Someone dragged him kicking yeah. and screaming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just Leave me screaming. On the field. <laughs> uh, but they take him to Octavius, which is one of their, Battle barges, a battle barge, like in the fleet, which is currently engaged in the Tyranid fleet in space. Yeah, and he just he's like, well, if now I'm going to take over command of the space army against the Tyranids. Yeah, Uh, so they're doing it, but lo and behold, you can't win against these guys. Just like on the surface, the Battle of Cold Steel Ridge goes completely in favor of the Nids, and this happens in space too. Yeah, it's actually just too many. Funny thing is, um. There's like this cloud that seems to like surround the fleet, um, and like your ships have a hard time like getting through it even. Yeah. So there were like these uh, the fleet they thought they were fighting the mar- marines were even winning for a little bit, and so these fleet uh, this fleet retreated back into this cloud. Yeah. And so the marines are like, "Give chase! Like we're gonna beat them!" And they push through this cloud, and then they're like, "Oh, geez! Like we were fighting like <laughs> dozens of ships. There's thousands here." Yeah. Like is the cloud just more ships? Is it's it's is like a it's like a spore. I just imagine, yeah, it's just no, spores. it's like a spore yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's just spores. Okay. But, yeah, but it, it's not like ships. Yeah, I was just thinking like thousands of tiny ships, and then you get close and you realize those tiny ships are actually massive. <laughs> they got little mouths. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> like chewing away. Yeah. Um. So back when Calgar abandoned uh, Ultramar or sorry, McCraig, like um, it allowed like it pretty much. He conceded the surface pretty much to the Tyranids. Yeah. Right. So if, if, when he leaves and Cold Steel Ridge is won, it pretty much gives freedom to the Tyranids to push to the either of the bastions that are on the planet. They're polar bastions. Yeah, and I I think sides. they're just like these uh, huge either uh, like orbital weapons usually, and that's why like they're pushing towards these like polar defense stations because they're like right. keeping the planet safe from the major invasion. And as we know about Nids, like they they use their ships to basically dock with the planet and then they have like tubes that go yeah up so if there were these massive guns dock. If, if there were these massive guns on the planet those ships would never be able to yeah, come right. exactly so these nids are trying to beat it and uh with um wow what's his face with calgar leaving he's pretty much like giving it up to them so yeah. now he's in space but now he's realized he can't win the space battle either yeah what's a what's a boy in blue to do Call for reinforcements. I yeah, I think the reinforcements are already oh, coming. Oh, of course, they're already oh, coming. Oh, yes, there. yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to. He's like, now, now's a good time to call for reinforcements. <laughs> yeah. Now that I'm missing a couple limbs. Yeah. So the reinforcements that he's been promised finally arrive in the space battle, and like Calgar takes a tally of all the ships, and he's like, that's still not enough. Not like, nearly enough. Like they just rallied like the entire segmentum to this this specific battle, and it still was not enough ships. And the segmentum is a huge. Yeah, huge I, I don't know if he rallied the entire segmentum, but enough. Like he, he called he, out to a lot of people. It's not he just called like out. Small. Yeah, exactly. And he still. Like, and he has a lot of sway. Yeah. Right. So you don't ignore him when he's calling. Yeah. So uh, 
yeah, like they're still outnumbered. And uh, one of the ships, um, do we know what it was called? The Dominus Astra, an Emperor-class battleship, came up with a plan. He's like, I'm going to fly right into the center of their fleet and detonate my warp drive. And uh, that's what he does. And it actually surprisingly works. And he ends up creating like a real space warp rift uh, when he detonates his warp drive. And he sucks the majority of the Tyranid High Fleet into the warp and, and into oblivion. Enough to completely incapacitate the fleet. Yeah. So it's not the fleet entirely because the fleet itself still exists, but it's enough to where it's a fly. Yeah. And when we talk more about like fleet ships and stuff, you see how this is possible. Yeah. So uh, at that, it's at that moment where the Dominus Astra sacrifices itself that now the space battle is all but one. Yeah, and that would be a true hero. There's some people that claim that Kripman's a hero. He is not. Those people are correct. Those people are wrong. And we'll get more into him a little bit. Don't but there's, this have, is a true... Dirt, we have some dirt on Kripman. This <laughs> is a true sacrifice. This is a heroic move. Uh, so Calgar, with, with this space threat pretty much taken care of, Calgar returns to the surface um, only to find... That all of his veterans are dead. All 100 of oh, them. Oh, no. His first company. Oh, womp, oh, womp, womp. Sad. Oh, sad. Don't worry. He'll recover in a year or two. No. A year. Give it a couple years. No big deal. But so, I think they say it's actually 100 years. No, it's just a couple. No. It, it, like I read it, it, was, it only takes it a was, couple years for the system and for the Marines to rebuild. Good thing uh, those Horace Heresy chapters that suffered during the drop site massacre are still recovering, apparently. <laughs> they, just, they keep losing a lot of guys in every engagement. They just <laughs> don't have the, re- the, the resources <laughs> that Calgar does. Anyways, ah, yes, so yes. Um, the entire first company, pretty much, and they describe it as uh, he went into this room and the, he found like the last Terminators or Space Marines and Terminator armor that were left alive all back to back. And they just... Died. Fight, fighting. fighting until the something death. Calgar probably should have done. Right, exactly. <laughs> if yeah. he could have fought, <laughs> if he could have fought, which he couldn't have. Um, but this is where they break Hive Fleet uh, Behemoth. Yeah, can um, I just go back to that? That's such a cool image of like space space marine terminators, like in a in a bunker, just fighting off endless waves in, like, and like ring, yeah. yeah, and just like. They keep falling. They yeah, keep one falling. more dies and yeah. the circle gets a little yeah. smaller and then another one falls and it gets a little smaller. So it's just yeah. one man left. Yeah. And you know he's just, his psyche's probably broken, but he's what? a space he's marine. A space marine, so, so he's, he's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fine. So he fights him off for seven days and fact, seven nights and he doesn't even eat. He's he's enraged by the death of his exactly. brother. He becomes a better fighter. He just gets even it. more yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. No, that is a really cool moment. You don't yeah. really get any of those moments other than with space marines too. No, I'm thinking. Do Imperial Guards survive? <laughs> <laughs> and and you got to realize too, like they they would have had like an entire planetary defense force. Like, yeah, it wouldn't have just been Marines fighting off yeah. the high fleet. They would have had tons of humans that just get massacred in the middle ground. Yeah, and even like uh, they do take like the Ultramarines do take greater casualties than just 100. I think uh, I think it was like two thirds of all Ultramarines were like wiped out or something like that. It was a big number, half the chapter or something like that. That's okay. Primaris, Primaris Marines are coming, so who cares? <laughs> oh, that's 400 years in the future, but... <laughs> who cares? Yeah. Um, but yes, this this is where High Fleet Behemoth uh, is broken. Yeah. Now, um, it is important to note that High Fleet Behemoth 
had very little use of subtlety and tactics and it was known for just being a spearhead and just pushing through because it had a lot of biomass and all it was trying to do was push 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 yeah. push yeah. and so a lot of people a lot of speculation is that um if they hadn't been so like wanton with like how fast they were pushing and with their no regard for their own like reserves of energy or or biomass that they probably could have done much more damage yeah yeah just a little more on that like on the uh temperament i guess or, or strategy of, of high fleet behemoth like each one of these high fleets has almost a personality yeah like a and characteristic it, yeah, and we kind of talked about that i think in the last tyrant episode but uh behemoth it is known to like field like big heavy monster creatures like that's its kind of hmm. mode of operating and it's very aggressive like eric described like it it fields the biggest, strongest units and just pushes like headlong into until it whatever. breaks through. Yeah. Right. Whereas some some tyrant high fleets might be more strategic or try to to attack an enemy at their weak spot. Yeah, Behemoth just like comes in like a hammer. Yeah, and uh, some people suspect too it's part of their um, just the fact that they they're the first high fleet to come from the void that they're just like a ravenous beast, right? So they're just like hungry and not really thinking. Yeah, yeah. So they just drive for the most amount of food in the shortest path. Right? Yeah. Even yeah. if there's a wall in the way, they'll just try and knock it over. Yeah. Yeah. And that's ultimately like what led them to their downside. Cause if they spread out more, they, they might've been able to survive, build up their yeah, force. Or been a little again. more strategic. Yeah. Uh, but no, but, yeah. They, and they, and also the amount of energy they invest in individual creatures. Like I said, like they feel yeah. the big guys, they're feeling like carnifex and warriors and like, yeah, m- more, more frequently than other other creatures right which are each individually is a greater investment of energy and biomass right right yeah, yeah there's they, they lacked tactics and subtlety yeah is the way that i would describe behemoth yeah. yeah um okay so humanity's like wow we did it we actually fought them off we won we won we're the best humanity yeah. fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah make humanity great again yeah anyways so and for about uh, 200 years, humanity uh, falsely believes that the threat of Tyranids is gone. They thought they wiped out the whole race of Tyranids. Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah they, they thought it was gone. Um, and this is where the, the root of the next High Fleet comes in. So you have the this entire area of space that was previously um under this threat of tyranids and so there was a very heavy imperial military presence in the southeastern fringe of the galaxy yeah but after 250 years of no threat the people start complaining and they start saying like oh we don't want to live in like armed camps anymore and we don't want to be safe right well we just don't want to be we don't want to feel like we're told what to do and and it's whatever no <laughs> one likes to be occupied what? What? Being that has never been the experience of humanity ever. It's literally my experience in my house. <laughs> my house is occupied <laughs> by a tyrant. <laughs> Your cat. A, a poor victim. <laughs> Your potato. <laughs> um, so so nobody nobody's enjoying it. And but the thing is, it's getting increasingly like more vocal yeah. than it should be, right? So yeah. I, I think it's like riots are starting to break out. Obviously, the uh, imperial governor dropped the ball with not ruling with an iron fist keeping everybody in check all <laughs> yeah. the time but yeah so they they become uh more vocal about their situation to yeah. the point of where um this brotherhood is formed and this brotherhood is actually uh sanctioned by the ecclesiarchy in the end um but it attracts the attention 
of the Inquisition. And I believe all the Brotherhood is is just like a collection of they're, people. They're a religious cult. Yeah. yeah. And, and they prophesy that like the, the one true emperor is coming. Yeah. Yes. In a physical form. Yeah. Like which is an important yeah. okay. note. Yeah. So what, what happens eventually is that um, like this they get such a large following and it eventually becomes violent. Obviously you have a cult fanaticism yeah. versus someone who wants to like, uh, like retain martial order. Right. Yeah. And so they eventually f- end up fighting with, um, Arbites, um, PDF even Have ends up involved, fighting them. Yeah. And then yeah. even at the end, space Marines even are involved to like quell. Yeah, this it uprising. almost becomes like a full blown insurrection. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. like a rebellion. Yeah. Really. So, and, yeah, and, and, like, up until the point before the Space Marines arrive, like, yeah, they just think it's just, like, what's wrong with these citizens? Like, yeah. it's just, like, this crazy yeah. well, fanatic. So part of that, too, is a lot of the administratum adepts that were working on that planet were reporting back to, like, you know, the head of the administratum on Terra. And yeah. they were always downplaying how bad things actually were. Yeah. Um, and and I'll, I'll touch on it more in a little bit, but that that will become important later. Where it's like all all these administrative adepts are all kind of giving them the same story, like oh things aren't that bad, oh don't <laughs> worry about it. And it's progressively getting worse, right? Yeah, and and these adepts are trying to hide it for some reason, right? And there is a reason, yeah, right. And, and it's it's really cool. Once the space marines uh, get involved, that's when fighting takes a real nasty turn, and that's when the real face of this brotherhood. And this uh, fanaticism comes up, and ta-da! Purple it's, face. It's Gene Stealers. <laughs> yeah, Gene Stealer cult. Yeah, yeah. They, had, they had been raising a cult on this planet, and you know, slowly infecting all the people with their insidious seed. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking from personal experience, <laughs> there, Eric. Eric has it's been not in, fun. Infected. Okay. <laughs> um, just a, a quick note too: the Brotherhood actually got so out of control they assassinated the. Uh, the governor of the world. Yeah, yeah and at one point, like they, they yeah. literally take the whole planet. Yeah. yeah, so the gene stealers, are, yeah, they, they take the entire planet, and then the space marines come in, and they wipe out this cult. Yeah. And they're like, There's oh my gosh. pretty cool images there, too. Yes. It's like uh, describing like space marine terminators, like deep striking, like teleporting into like cathedrals. And just fighting. Anytime a space brings in a cathedral, killing. It's going to be It's just violence. good imagery. Yeah, yeah right. it's just good imagery. Uh, and yeah, they're just slaying Xenos gene stealers. And uh, they end up actually killing off like every member yeah. of the cult, exactly. including like the cult leader, a patriarchal gene stealer. And uh, it's and too late though. Yeah, but that's, but they believe uh, that the threat is now over. Yeah. Right. They're like, we did it. We cleansed the planet. Everyone is free of the gene stealer cult now or of the gene stealer taint. Like, Woohoo, goodbye. <laughs> right? But years later, Kraken actually arrives at the planet. And yeah, this when, is another high fleet. Yes, sorry. The next, like, a high fleet yeah. arrives at the planet, and out of the, the surface of the ground, thousands of gene stealers burst and, like, help in the, um, like the destruction of this planet. So the truth was. It was not taken care of. No, yeah, no. And they lived and they thrived even. So it, it just goes to show you how deeply rooted a gene stealer cult actually goes and like how difficult it would actually be to fully cleanse the planet. Yeah, and when it goes underground, it's hard to find. You went underground. They went under the ground. <laughs> we couldn't cleanse it, damn it. Yeah. They came back. Uh, <laughs> The, fla- the 
flashbacks. Imperial farmer. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't do anything. <laughs> um, but the uh, defense of the planet is actually uh, led by Calgar. Oh, himself. who makes his triumphant comeback. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's also joined by the Lamenters and the Size of the Emperor, which are two Space Marine chapters. Yes. Um, an interesting thing to note is the Swarm Lord, so that same Tyranid being that kind of turned the tide on uh, McCraig, he shows up on this planet again. Yeah. And this time, Calgar exacts his revenge against the Swarm Lord and kills him. Yeah. Which breaks the synapse of all the Tyranids left on the planet, and then it's just a matter of cleaning up house. Yeah, yeah, they, they revert to like a feral state, and then you're yeah. just like at that point you're just hunting animals essentially. Yeah, exactly. There's, yeah. there's no tactical thing with them. So yeah, but it is also worth noting that in this battle, uh, the Lamenters and the uh, size of the Emperor are destroyed completely. Um, Lamenters are down. Like they're both down to like so few numbers that they're. They're, they're not even trying to rebuild. I think the Lamenters are trying to rebuild it, but the scythes of the Emperor are not. Like, they'd have nothing left. Mark wanted to add this part in the notes, so don't look at me like that, Christian. Like, Lamenters in current 40K are still a thing, but they yeah. have, like, a squad. Like, they're, oh. they're so... They're at- We'll, we'll talk, I, I hate we'll talk the way you're looking at me. We'll have it's a discussion like, after the no, podcast. T- talk no, talk now. We are literally having a conversation <laughs> now. Talk to me now. Aren't they... No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. I, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical. I'm not. I'm, I don't have that. I'm not right saying now, they're completely driving. destroyed, yeah. but they are to the point where they're no longer a chapter, no longer trying to Look, be a chapter. If they take ten wounds, they're gone. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> On the table. That's how they can right. manage. Yeah. They actually took losses, though. Unlike Calgar and his right. boys, it's just right. Like, exactly. Boys in blue are fine. Yeah. Blueberries, they're all <laughs> they good. Just bounce right back. Yeah. Exactly. Just give them a couple years, and they're fine. <laughs> Um, other Imperial planets uh, lost to Kraken in this entire thing are uh, Sotha, Miral, Graia. No! Not Graia! <laughs> that actually scared me. Why them? Uh, Graia, Radnar, and then... And Radnar? H- hundreds of others My also. family was on Radnar. <laughs> Except in Radnar, they came from the skies. <laughs> it's that same farmer you just... Exactly. <laughs> Keeps moving to a new planet because the last one gets wrecked and the tyrants keep following. Um, so hundreds of others are actually also lost yeah. to Kraken in this thing. But somehow they're able to fight them off. So Yes, and, somehow. And that portion of the high fleet is wiped out. Yeah, this, this breaks this portion of the high fleet yeah. because there was another portion of the high fleet uh, that was focusing on something else. So you had Behemoth who had one spear point. Yeah. And it was just pushing, pushing, pushing. And then if it's ever stopped once, it's broken. Yeah. Right? But then in Kraken, they learned. They're like, okay, well, instead of having just one, let's break off in two. Let's have two different goals. Right? One go left, one go right. Exactly. And then there's twice as much chance of success, right? Because you can grow on your own. (laughs) Twice as much. Um, So this one, instead Mm. of going to Ikar 4, went to Iadrin, which is an Eldar craft world. Yes. And yes. this is one of the largest craft worlds, actually. Well, it was one of the <laughs> largest craft worlds that existed. Yeah. And for those, I read it, Christian. Don't look at me no, like no, that. No, no, that no, look, hey? Eh? I it, know. Is it, is it the way you pronounced big... it? Is it Eadrin? Yandin? No, it's a Y. It's I A Y D R E N. 
Okay. Uh, I, was thinking, I was thinking of a different craft world. Yeah. So E. Adrian. So for those of you who don't know what a craft world is, it's like an Eldar planet ship, essentially. Yeah. Which you can reference on episode seventy-four. Know. Eldar. <laughs> Go listen to the Eldar, Eldar episode. <laughs> I think we have a craft world episode, don't we? Oh, we loosely talk about things, I'm sure. Yeah. Soon. Just listen to the whole podcast Soon, from the beginning. TM. At some point. <laughs> yeah. um, so, Eadrin. Uh, and this one, they actually had some warning before the Tyranids invaded. Uh, would you like to know how many days of warning they had, Christian? 20. Oh, I was going to say two. <laughs> they, had, <laughs> they, they had 20 days of warning ah, perfect. Um, by the Rangers. So a Rangers is just a, a certain class of Eldar that lives outside of the craft world and comes back every once in a while, but yeah. voyages in deep space. Yeah, so these yeah. Rangers found out about this threat, come back to the craft world, let everyone know. They're you like, oh 20, shit, we've got 20, 20 days. days. <laughs> um, but it, it's worth noting that uh, seven days before they attacked, no communication was allowed. And that's the shadow in the warp. Yeah, I also up. wonder too because the Eldar are known for their like precognition that the Would shadow and the warp. The yeah, like they maybe didn't see it coming, and that's yeah. why it's such a short notice because they they couldn't see the potential fate. Yeah, that I'm, makes perfect. I'm sense. not above thinking that's yeah. Correct. It's not stated anywhere, but I'm yeah. just I'm just guessing based on yeah. what we know. Yeah. Uh, so Farseer Kelman, he gets this warning, and he's like, "Oh no." He declares that every... First, he's fired for not... <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is a farseer, and he didn't see this. He didn't see this. So. Okay. He's been conning everyone the whole time. He wasn't really a psychic. <laughs> he's just really good at reading people. Yeah, That's yeah. all. Yeah. I bet you'll turn left. Oh, shit, he's right. I was going to turn Your grandmother left. is trying to reach out to you. <laughs> Are you in the room? <laughs> Show with, us. Starts Pull with a string. <laughs> Move something. <laughs> Um, so he declares that every single citizen on the craft world must fight yeah. in order for the craft world to survive. He starts the um, ritual to awaken the avatar of Kayla mentioned Kane, um, as well as activates all the Wraith Lords, which is all the deceased souls of the Eldar are put into these Wraithbone constructs yeah. to fight. Yeah. Which is every everything really cool. that they have, every is. single thing in their arsenal that they could potentially bring, yeah, they do. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, it, it's, pretty it's wild. literally yeah. a fight for survival. Yeah, which is and it's like the ultimate desperation for the elder. Exactly, because if just they're, by existing, they're fighting for their survival. Yeah, yeah but so. if they're using like their wraith lords and everything, yeah. that means like they're willing to they're betting with the souls. Yeah. of the deceased Eldar, yeah. which is their which means ultimate. they that's how how much they take this threat like as a real like yeah. this could be the end of us like we need to throw everything we got at it yeah yeah so the fight starts with tyranid fleets um being put in waves and waves at of the, light of, and like their total amount is like tens of thousands so in like each wave yeah so They're just that's why a big number it's so many and it's just it's waves and waves and the eldar are actually able to hold their own but every single of and this chris you already mentioned this as soon as you lose one person yeah. you're losing against tyranids yeah so there's even though they can hold off for a little while they slowly and slowly just get pushed back by the sheer weight yeah of what's happening and, and this is a space battle too by the way yes this is outside of the craft world so yeah. far and uh so every now and again too like uh some of these ships would break through like the the ships and get to the craft world yeah but as you say as one ship dies like, like it's you can't that, replace the Eldar ship. that much harder to hold yeah. it. Whereas so like more, Tyranid ships can be replaced. Yeah, so more and more ships are getting through the blockade towards the craft world. 
And eventually, um, the Eldar fleet is destroyed. Yeah. Completely in space. And then Tyranids do what they do best. They launch their mycetic spores, which are like their version of a drop pod, if I haven't mentioned that before. <laughs> you haven't, but I have. Okay, good. Um, and these spores land on the craft world itself, and the real invasion starts here. Yeah. So um, this, and it's not, it's not a winning fight either. No. Right? Like, when you have an enemy that can just send endless waves against you and you're a dying race, yeah. you're pretty much going to lose all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> it, it was a hopeless fight um, until um, an Eldar named Prince Iriel mm-hmm. heard of this. Pirate prince. Yeah. Yes, he 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 actually was on Eadrin. Uh, He's actually from that craft world, and he had been exiled from it like many years before. Yeah, um, and he even swore that he. After the exile, he was like, I wouldn't even go back if you asked me to go back. Yeah. Oh, you know, he's such turns a hard sassy. As Eldar are known to do. He becomes a pirate, right? So yeah. he's like, I wouldn't even go back there. I'll loot it if I have to. Uh, yeah, so... Um, but according to uh, Farseer Kelmore's plan... Kelmore. Kelmore's plan. Yes. He banished him. Only to give Uriel... He doesn't not get at this foresight thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. This is where his foresight comes true. Oh, okay. Because Uriel comes back, and he's been a pirate now for centuries. And he has a massive fleet. Yeah. Like, he's like and, a pirate uh, king, really. Yeah. yeah. And, like, they, they have, like, probably one of the best fleets in the galaxy. Like, they're quick. They have all these good space tactics. And they come back, and uh, they arrive at... Uh, Eladrin. How do you guys say it? Eadrin, Eadrin, yeah. the Eldarcraft world. Yeah. And uh, they're able to actually destroy the entire Tyranid fleet. Yes, uh, but it is cool to know how they do that. How do they do that? Um, so what he does is he... Oh, oh sorry. We're, you're talking about the fleet right yeah. now, not in the craft world. So yeah. yes, you are 100% correct. Uriel's uh, uh, Corsair fleet actually... I don't know what you're showing me. Is that the plant? Is that the craft world? Eandin? Yeah. I don't know. That yes. Is, that makes sense. That is, isn't it? And then I'm saying it wrong this yeah, whole time. Yeah, th- that's what I was wondering this whole time. I'm like, that sounds a lot like another craft world. Yandin? All right, There's fine. no R in there. Fine. <laughs> that's what I was... I don't know. <laughs> Look, a little bit of dyslexia came through <laughs> as I was reading and writing this. Caught me some slack. All right. But Eandin. just so people know that well, that's what we're talking yes. about. Because Eandin. Yandin is a big craft world where there's... Yeah. They have fans, Eric. You're offending those fans. <laughs> and we're going to get angry hate mail. If you like the Eldar, you can go suck one. You're a, f- <laughs> a fruit. Um, <clears throat> so, <laughs> Prince Ariel and his Corsair fleet destroys the entire Tyranid fleet. Like, yeah. Apparently, it's a very decisive victory for yeah. them. Um, but it's unfortunate because the fight is already so heavy on the craft world itself. It's just slowly being destroyed. Yeah. So then he's like, I've taken care of the uh, space threat, so now it's time to go take care of the people. <laughs> you, the people. You. So he goes to the planet, he takes care of them all. He does. One he, by one. He, he swaddles them. Mm-hmm. Um, Loves he them. He makes sure that they're fed. <laughs> mm-hmm. He spoon feed, he, he, bur- he baby bird them. Ba- baby birds. <laughs> baby birds them. Mama birds. Mama birds. He mama birds bird. them. Just <laughs> There's some food for you. <laughs> Elder have such high culture. <laughs> <laughs> um, an interesting t- thing to know about Yandin is that so there was a hive tyrant um, on that 
craft world and it was actually uh, leading the forces yeah as tyranid they need like a strong creature to synapse everyone around them yeah. or else they just turn into their feral creatures and they're easy to clean up so there's a hive tyrant and it, it was said that like no eldar weapon seemed was seemed able to like pierce its hide or whatever it was just such a powerful beast yeah so uh the avatar shows up and the avatar's like you like single combat right now <laughs> um he like challenges it because the avatar is like the only one who is going to be capable of beating it which yeah. is like a god construct like, yeah the yeah, avatar is like a things. shard of eldar god power yeah. it's powerful oh yes at least in theory oh in yes. theory yes <laughs> lord not <laughs> so much well yeah and because so <laughs> the hive tyrant so it, it was funny when I was reading it, it was like the Avatar uh, challenged the Hive Tyrant to single combat, but Tyranids, having no sense of honor, <laughs> the Hive Tyrant, instead of accepting the challenge, summons a dozen Carnifexes <laughs> to go play with the Avatar. Yeah. Maul it to death. Yeah, yeah, and the Avatar then is taken care of. And yeah, the Hive gets trampled like, to death. Yeah, Avatar's, or Hive Tyrant's like, cool, and keeps moving on. <laughs> um, so Prince Uriel shows up. And he is um, convinced, persuaded, tricked. No, helped. By, I'm talking about the Shadow Seer. Right no, I know. Now. Why would it be anything but help? Because it kills you to use this. So? Oh, you don't see that as a downside, I guess? No, I, I value heroes that sacrifice themselves yes. as opposed to sacrificing billions of others right, okay. as heroic. So, no, no. This Shadow Seer. That's a very narrow view of heroism. Uh, the name, her name is Shadow Seer Salandri Veilwalker. We don't do it this way anymore. <laughs> is that what they say in Star Wars? We don't sacrifice? What's that dumb bitch say? I don't know. I never watched that. Oh, okay. You've seen I saw pieces. This is the one quote. You didn't see the latest movie? No. It's so bad, man. How are you supposed to hate on it if you haven't seen it? Because I've seen enough of it that I didn't want to continue. You don't fully understand how bad it is. (laughs) One day. One day when I want to waste that much part of my life out. When you're willing to lose that many brain cells. Um, Okay. So there is a Harlequin, the Shadow Seer Salandri Veilwalker. She's actually on that craft world and she convinces uh, Prince Uriel to pick up the Spear of Twilight. <gasps> Such Ooh. an Eldari name. Ooh. Ooh, so cool. <laughs> um, what, what's interesting what about the spear? What does it do? Spear? It harnesses Twilight. <laughs> Twilight uh, false. Sparkle. It actually eats your life force. <laughs> ah. It, and the interesting thing is it also eats your immortal soul. That's your life force. Right, it's but the there's a difference between like your like an Eldar's body, like can your die. energy. Yeah, like you get aged and you're like a little right. That's frailer. one thing. But if your actual soul is being consumed, mm-hmm. yeah. that's a completely another thing for Eldar because their souls are supposed to be immortal. So hold on, I'm just gonna pull a before we continue with this one. I'm just gonna pull a page out of the Imperial Tactics. What they should do is fly their craft world into the middle of the tyrant <laughs> and detonate its warp drives <laughs> yes that would do achieving it supreme victory drives i know has. oh also they've already wiped up the fleet at this point yeah the fleet's destroyed christian attention <laughs> <laughs> so um this spear it drains his life but it allows him to kill that hive tyrant with a single thrust yeah. So it's a very powerful weapon. And it turns yeah. out later that it's a crone sword. And it's, it's a bunch of details. Yeah, it's there's so much. What? Nothing. I, I, <laughs> Don't act like you're going to talk and then not talk, Christian. It's better than when he like raises his hand like, I have a point. Yeah, right, <laughs> Can like, I talk? Like, <laughs> that's... Or when he shows you a page and he's like, what about this? It's like a whole 
4,000 wow, words. Read this, I read read this, this right real now. quick before you say the next sentence. Before you, <laughs> yeah, screw up. <laughs> so he kills this uh, hive tyrant in a single blow, which ends the synapse, which we've seen multiple times. This is how you do it. You kill the big, you kill the head of the snake and you clean up the rest of it. So he kills this hive tyrant. The rest of the fleet, done. So that is the other portion of High Fleet Kraken that has now been destroyed. Yeah. Now, when we say this, please understand that there are many tendrils of these fleets that still exist. Yeah. Like, the main force of these um, High Fleets are gone, but they still exist. There's all these splinter fleets still that exactly. travel Growing around. Growing and fighting and yeah. trying to eat because they're hungry. Yeah. Little guys. Hungry little guys. But yeah, that's kind of what happens to uh, Kraken. So one is stopped on Ikar 4, one is stopped on Eandin. Yeah. I, I really like it because um, it shows Gene Seal infestation and how it works. We didn't really get into the whole details of it, but... Uh, that's okay, because there's when we actually do a Gene Stealer cult episode, that's yeah, when we we'll can get really the talk real about it. But the one yeah. detail is um, the Gene Stealer patriarch, like the leader of the Brotherhood, the leader of the Gene Stealer cult, like actually sent like a psychic signal to to high fleet kraken to come to this planet saying it's ready to be harvested. Yeah, once the the cult feels that they've infiltrated enough, they yeah. signal whatever fleet they're yeah. from and it sends the fleet over. Yeah, so this just shows like now that the nids have like adapted a little bit where uh they're using these gene sealers now to like weaken their targets before they're attacking them. Unlike Behemoth where it's just like a bad straight in. Yeah. yeah. Which which does play exactly into like the uh the personality type of of kraken which was like um insidious and tactical right? hmm. so unlike behemoth they started to develop strategies when they fight they they tr try to pinpoint enemy weak spots they try to hide and be covert and to utilize gene sealer cults to soften targets before attacking hmm. so that also plays into maybe how they were destroyed by investing into that single synapse organism because there was so tactically driven that once you lose that kind of chain of command and that structure, you collapse. Yeah, right. all all their plans are yeah. for nothing, and they don't have numbers to to, to win exactly. to carry. Yeah. yeah, or big creatures or yeah. yeah. So, four short years after Kraken is dealt with. Um, and did we say? I don't think we said like, uh, between Behemoth and between Kraken, it was two hundred and fifty years. Two hundred and fifty. Oh yeah, we did say that. We did. Yeah, sorry. But that's okay. So four years after Kraken, Leviathan shows up. And now this is the biggest and the greatest high fleet yet. And it, where the other two are approaching from, like, the galactic east and southeast, this one's actually uh, attacking from the lower plane. Yeah. So if you imagine it, like, the Milky Way is like a dinner plate. It's attacking from below the dinner plate and coming up. Nom, 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 nom. Um, it, Leviathan's main tactic is to break into two large tendrils that are hundreds of light years apart and spread its shadow of the warp across entire systems. So it, it's like like it's like a pincer. Think about yeah. a pincer, but anything between the pincers has been cut off yeah. from and anything outside. Can no longer send for reinforcements or get help and uh Yeah. Just, just the warp just doesn't work for some reason yeah. inside that area. And then they're easily like eaten pretty much. Exactly. As, as the two main fleets push inwards the planets on the inside slowly get sucked up too. Yes. Yeah. So that's their tactic this time. Um, and one uh, tendril is headed directly for uh, Terra, but it's halted at Tarsus. 
and the other is uh, stalemated in the Octarius War. Yeah. Now, if you guys remember about um, Behemoth, which was the first one we talked about, uh, Crypt Cryptman is the Inquisitor responsible for pretty much saving the Ultramar system. Uh, you're giving him an off in that one. Loft, in that one, lofty he's the title. One, he found the Data Codex. Oh yeah, yeah. Because they wouldn't have realized the that there's this big Cryptman, hero of the Imperium. Yeah. Well, for now. Because if now. he didn't warm them, they would have all been like, ooh, you know, I guess... We I only guess had 20 we'll... days to prepare. Yeah, ooh. Fuck Cryptman. <laughs> Anyways, but what's crazy is 255 years later, he's still around. Yeah. Well, Inquisitors have, like, money and power enough yeah. that they can pay for, like, rejuvenation. Rejuvenation? 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 <laughs> they got some eye cream. That takes <laughs> they got some really powerful eye Get cream. Get rid of those crinkles. feet. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's talk about uh, one of the ones on Tarsus Ultra. So this was besieged by a couple of, or besieged for a couple weeks, but the battle was a losing one. Uh, what happened was the Ultramarines, you know, they're everywhere apparently. They do all, whenever there's a nid invasion, even if it's across a galaxy, the Ultramarines are there. Oh, of course, bud. <laughs> so Captain Ventress and a Death Watch team, their plan was to capture a Lictor, and they succeeded in capturing one during like the battle on the planet. And uh, they took it to a Magos, and his name was Lokard. And he reversed engineered the Lictor's genetic DNA and uh, created a biological plague that would send the Tyranids into a rampant evolution, killing it. So just like keep evolving, evolving, and like just sporadically and end up killing it. So now that they have this like biovirus, they, they, uh, form a kill team, a Death Watch kill team, to infiltrate, like, a hive ship and uh, deliver this virus right to the Norn Queen herself, like, the, the lead Tyranid synapse yeah, creature. The, yeah, the one who's telling everyone else in this, like, high fleet tendril what to do. Yeah. Yeah. So and they're successful, which is the crazy thing to me. Yeah, like, they somehow get through, like, thousands of ships directly to this one ship that's leading billions of organisms, yeah. and they deliver the virus, and it works, and... Uh, yeah, the whole fleet like starts to like mutate out of control, and uh, it's wiped out. Yeah, it's one. Of, it's again. Yeah, cut the head off the snake. Yeah, rest is just clean up. Having said this, so like before that, hundreds of planets probably fell. Oh yes. Oh, oh yes. Like during like when the pincer is actually coming up from Leviathan. Yeah. Like everything is dying. Yeah. It's just this is where yeah. they decided to make their stand on Tarsus yeah. Ultra, where they finally got the idea or whatever happened, but yeah. So that is a one tendril of Leviathan is stopped. Yeah. Um, the other one, um, this is where Kripman shows his true colors. As a hero. So galactic That's a hero. No. Kripman creates a, what's called a galactic cordon. And so what he's trying to do is he's trying to create a fire break where uh, if there's already a lot of dead worlds in front of the Tyranids, they will not be able to replenish any of their energies or biomass that they've expelled in order to get there. Yeah. So it really would slow them down. So yeah. they can't get any energy. Also, Tyranids are known for having like a slow fleet. Like It's not like Imperium where they have warp drives where they can literally warp across the entire galaxy. Like Nids have to be in real space at all times going from planet to planet. So right. when they do come across these dead worlds and they get nothing out of it, it actually does. It's such a waste for them. Yeah, because okay. then they have to travel thousands of light years to the next planet. Yeah, exactly. So what he did is he exterminatist 
many imperial worlds in the direct path of this second tendril of the high fleet so many like one or two no hundreds what the fuck is wrong with this guy hundreds of worlds and some weren't even evacuated no there's no time apparently they didn't even give them the 20-day warning. <laughs> so this did remove any source of food and energy that the Tyranids might potentially use, but he killed billions of Imperial citizens to in, save in trillions the, in the Eric. largest genocide since the Horus Heresy. Should would you ever want to be compared to like the darkest time in humanity? Like you have Horus and then <laughs> Gripkin. Yeah. Like, do so, you really want to be on that list? He- did what no one else had the guts to do. No. He is That's not a way to win. Thanos of what? <laughs> 40k. Do not try he, an anti-hero he, this. He that is, is terrible. Thanos is not a good guy. What, what are you talking about? The whole movie I was rooting for him. I, I don't <laughs> Did I get did I get it wrong? Did I get the story wrong? <laughs> I thought he was a superhero. I thought he was the Avenger. Huh. Odd. <laughs> Thanos that. Thanos the Avenger. That's his title. He's avenging the, the universe. Yeah. Uh, no, he is Kryptman is not a good person. And after this act, he's actually stripped of his title and wealth um, by the Inquisition. But you by, know what he can never be stripped of? His pride. No. He's like Osmond Dias. He when he did this saving No. <laughs> saving so many people. He he got somebody behind him in a deep voice was like killing spree. <laughs> that can never be taken Invincible. Invincible. And that can never be taken away from him. No, of course not. He just replays that over and over <laughs> in his head. Yeah. Um well, he's stripped from the Inquisition by a carta extremis, which I think is like one of the highest like levels of no-goes that the Inquisition will do. Yeah. Uh, he's branded as a radical and a traitor. Fair enough. Um, and here's... As terrible as what he did is, killing billions of people... To and save trillions. And doing a mass genocide, it did slow the fleet oh, down. So it worked. That does not mean it's <laughs> it okay. Yeah. It's one thing to sacrifice yourself, but then to sacrifice other people. Well, but if Kryptman killed himself, it, he wouldn't have slowed down the is fleet, it okay? right? Like it, that, that doesn't make any sense. No, I'm just <laughs> saying if he went to every planet, had a waiver, got people to sign the waiver, I'd be okay with okay it. Are you okay with giving up all your billion it's lives? It's Goku asking for spirit energy for his spirit bomb. He has to ask. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> no, if, if your cause is just Christian, and if you're like, I need an army, but I need a lot of armies, so you put guns in the hands of four-year-olds, even though your cause is just, does that make it okay? I didn't know this is the Moral Paradox podcast, but okay. I'm just <laughs> asking you, is that okay? We'll talk about this later. <laughs> <laughs> Don't admit to that over the podcast. Okay. We need to arm our babies. <laughs> <laughs> we can't stop it, teachers. Now it's babies. If all the children are armed, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every single child needs a weapon in America. <laughs> All right, okay. So he's completely slowed them down to a crawl, it says. Um, and now he can work out another tactic. And his other tactic is brilliantly I, stupid. You know what? I actually think it's really cool initially yes. how he does it. So him and, um, like, I can't remember if it's Marines or something else, but him and, like, a group of people. Yeah, some Death Watch guys. It is Death Watch. Okay. Yeah. So they go capture gene stealers and they put them in stasis. And it does say he incurs heavy losses while he does this. Yeah. So he goes and captures some gene stealers and he um, impregnates them on. No, 
That's implants. a better word. <laughs> implants. implants. Yes. That's a way better word. <laughs> Releases even. <laughs> he impregnates I just, Gene Seal. I had an image of the Space Hulk being the egg. I had a different image. And then his, his ship being like the needle that's going to inseminate the egg. And then the... I just uh-huh. had an image of them impregnating butt fucking. sealers yes. <laughs> yes. classic so, hillbilly butt fucking. He, come he, here goat <laughs> he gets these gene sealers and he he plants them on this space hulk which he then flies towards um the orc empire of octarius yeah which is something you guys talked about a little bit in the last episode yeah so go back and listen to that um if you haven't already um it was at the very end of the episode maybe listen to like the last 30 minutes but it gets really cool so this gene seal infestation, um, which he has now artificially created by putting these gene stealers on this planet. Another heroic move. Yes. Which yes. I actually really think this is a cool tactical move. It's just there's zero foresight involved <laughs> in it. Yeah. You don't need foresight when you're a hero. You just ah! act. You act impulsively and recklessly and save as many lives Christian, as you can through please violence. please never save me. I would rather die than see the consequences of your actions. So, Christian, you wanted to be a policeman? No. Is that correct? No, not at all. <laughs> Sorry, you're, are you, you're are also you in the, in the reserves right You're now? in the army? Is that is that? I, I neither admit or deny any <laughs> of the delegation. No, I don't. Um, I don't think he's a hero. I'm just. It's, yeah. It plays into like the morally gray. Of, it of definitely 40K. is. That's, it, that's a cool. It is the whole save a billion yeah. or Sacrifice. kill a billion to save a trillion, and yeah. that is the theme that's played over. What about over save a billion for a million? Not okay. Or save one kill a billion for a million? Yeah. No, that's not okay. Oh. There's there's so many ways to play up the. Hmm. So this and I'm not in favor. What about this, just killing I'm Eric? I'm not a utilitarian. I think killing Eric is actually the best thing we could do for humanity. <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, it's good to know that I'm a threat. <laughs> uh, so this gene sealer infestation uh, takes hold uh, in this empire and is able... In this orc empire, yeah. Yeah, and it actually turns the high fleet's attention. So this gene sealer cults are like, oh my gosh, so much biomass. Signal yeah. the motherships. <laughs> and so then... The uh, Leviathan, uh, this is Leviathan, right? Uh, yep. we're on yep. okay. Leviathan <laughs> comes and goes directly for uh, the Empire of Octavius. Yes, uh, Octarius. What a- Octarius. And uh, like, it's a huge orc empire. So, yeah. so when the, the, the Tyranid High Fleet like reaches the system. So uh, they, uh, they, uh, the fleet arrives at planet Gorola. Yeah. And every orc vessel within 12 light years shows up to fight it. Is that, that doesn't seem very far. 12 light years? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like with that's that's an entire system. Yeah. Definitely. Plus other little places outside of it. It's not very far. Uh, but think of orcs. Just yes. think of how yes. closely compact yeah. they no, are. No, so sometimes the numbers in 40K don't quite match up. So let's no, just the say. the scale of it is sometimes weird. Let's just, let's bump this one up to something more reasonable. Light years. Many, many light years. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So they all show up to fight. That, uh, combining with an apparently a very extensive space minefield <laughs> that was set up, all but destroys the entire Hive Fleet. Like, so this Everything. Orc Empire is so big and powerful that an entire tendril of Hive Fleet does not even remotely stand a chance. Yeah. Uh, it also helps that they were slowed down by the fire break that... Um, Kripman had made. Yeah, Shut up, Christian. <laughs> no, I told you, I'm not a fave. I'm not a <laughs> But but it is. It does yeah. also show you how crazy this orc empire really was. But unfortunately for the orcs, one ship manages to escape, and uh, 
sends its mycetic spores onto the planet Gaia or Gaia or uh, Gurola. Gurola. And uh, like starts to like rebuild. And like it's and like super it secret. Just the one. Yeah. And it doesn't even take a long time. And eventually like they they get to the point where they're regrowing new ships off this planet. It, so I read within weeks, this Tyranid ship has completely eaten every single orc on the planet Gorola. <laughs> within weeks. Yeah. They've gone over an entire planet. And this was just you know how like long one it ship. You to walk a planet? Once. Oh, that's it would not take really. a very long time. <laughs> one. It would take me one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you're right. And then at this point they start to build they grow bioships. Yeah. Which and takes them to other planets within the Octarius Empire. Yeah. And then they start fighting there. And then they get bigger and bigger and bigger. But then the orcs realize what's going on. So, so they're then like, they, hey, uh, we go show them what's up. Yeah. So then the orcs show up. And then they start fighting. And now they're losing and they're like, oh man, this is a big threat. Let's get bigger. We need more orcs. So they grow bigger so yeah. they can fight this threat off. And it's a stalemate, yeah. really, is what it is. So yeah. now there's a constant battle happening between these Tyranids that are trying to grow enough so they can spread and the orcs that are just having a grand old time. Yeah. And they're just getting bigger because this threat is huge. And it's just it's compounding upon itself. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And... uh Kripman end up, ends up like looking at this conflict and he just is like, what have I done? What have I done? Because <laughs> yeah. he realizes if either one of these sides wins. It is now such a powerful force. Yeah. yeah. That is just going to kill trillions. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yes. So, the initially he was, he succeeded in moving, um, like deterring the High Fleet Leviathan. <laughs> and now he's had a little bit of like... <coughs> oh shit time and realized how terrible this plan actually really was yeah um another thing to note about high fleet leviathan oh sorry i guess that's where that other tendril is ending in a stalemate yeah so there's one is ended at tarsus one is ending in octarius yeah um high fleet leviathan it actually had a lot of tendrils and it continues to uh fight and like ravage the galaxy but its main goal of creating its shadow in the warp yeah uh it seems to have been halted and slowly that shadow is actually receding yeah and planets are being re brought back into the you know imperial communication fold yeah. and it just kind of shows again like uh the tyranids evolving like they try one thing th in the first time a different thing in the second time and now they're trying something else yeah now they're actually using their abilities to try and cut people off and yeah so it only begs the question of what happens with the next hive exactly that shows up, right yeah um i know another big thing that uh people will say about high fleet leviathan is that huge uh campaign that they do against bale and the blood angels um we'll talk about that eventually but yeah, uh, we do a blood angel episode yeah. but like that was just like a splinter fleet of leviathan yeah, it wasn't it, like the main fleet it's really big for blood angels but it's actually not that big for tyranids yeah in what happens yeah so suck on that blood angels mm. <coughs> ain't no ultramarines There's a lot of space marine hate on this episode it's because they're the worst ever since primaris came out i'm off them <laughs> i'm not all even talking the about primaris them, marines. And all of a sudden <laughs> we're back into the primaris hate not yeah. even not even talking about space <laughs> marines or the imperium in this episode i'm an imperial night guy uh, no I'm a Necron guy. Mm. Christian, you're... An orc guy. You're something. Filthy Octarius, man. <laughs> so that uh, pretty much describes the three main high fleets that have existed and what they've done yeah. throughout the Get Milky Way. Of course, there's other ones. Like, there's high fleet Kronos, high fleet Jacomandar, there's high fleet... What's the cannibalistic one? 
uh, Hydra. Hydra. Like, there's a bunch of other Ophelius, like Ouroboros. Yeah. Yeah, but all, yeah. of, but most of like these are splinters of like the of main the ones. main ones. Yeah, yes. the main three are in the three Tyrannic Wars are the yes. main yeah. ones That's that these we just talked ones. about. Exactly. Everyone else is kind of a secondary player when it comes to yeah. units. So let's um, talk about a little bit of the Hive fleets themselves and yeah. how they are kind of constructed. Yeah, because like Hive fleets are actually made out of living Tyranids. Like their sh- a the Hive ships are a Tyranid. Exactly, they're creature. no more or less a Tyranid than like a Termagant or a Carnifex or anything like that, which makes it really wild. Like because when. Uh, we talk about some of the scales of these ships. We're talking about kilometer-long creatures that just float in the in the in the void. In the void. You gotta wonder, like, do they have like blood vessels? I'm sure they have like whatever biological. Like, they right. probably have nerves and blood vessels and like little areas where creatures can crawl around inside them. And it's right, kinda, it's kind of because like so a whale. Like you can <laughs> swim through like the the capillaries of a whale. Right, that's how big they are. So could you imagine like a ship this big? Yeah. Like its blood vessels would be bigger than your house. Do you ever play Gears of War where you go inside the oh, yeah. snake thing? Yeah. yeah, that's what I like to think. You can like run around inside. And, like, <laughs> that's what these kill teams sometimes do is infiltrate ships and, and do cool stuff. Yeah, like stop playing footsies with me. It's weird. <laughs> I just missed you. Uh, so the first time <laughs> ship that we're talking about. Before this gets too real. <laughs> is uh, it's called a hive ship. And uh, it's the biggest ship in the fleet, and like it's it's its heart, it's its central ship. And most fleets will only have one of these. Like I'm sure Leviathan, some of these bigger hive fleet. Well, yeah, there's two tendrils. tendrils to Leviathan. It probably had at least two of these ships, if right? not more. Like right. sometimes they'll have more depending on how big the fleet is. Like it might be prepping to to make a tendril, so you might have two right. while it's building up enough. But usually, yeah, there's not a lot of these. And uh, they act also as nodes of the hive mind. So they're like controlling the fleet. Like this is its brain. So this is where you would find the Norn Queen. Yeah, exactly. Also, the ship spawns the vast majority of uh, the Tyranid hordes. So like it, it's, it's its heart. Like yeah. without this, the Tyranid fleet is worth nothing. Yeah, because if you can't rebuild with this fleet then you're just slowly yeah. gonna die off yeah and if you don't have synapse you can't do nothing you so. can't unify yeah Unite. um so it's covered in stone-like armor and has dense weapon clusters and it's very slow and uh not agile at all like it's just this huge like whale yeah. pondering um, one thing to Space note too whales. yeah one thing to Actually, note too they do exist well, an episode on that too. yeah <laughs> the orcs have a cool picture of a space whale here lies questions. I don't know. <laughs> Guys, I'm right here. <laughs> I can hear you talking. Don't tell Eric about this. <laughs> but uh, a lot of these ships that we're going to be talking about actually have models or pictures of them. So go check them out. In like Epic? No, in Battlefleet Battle Gothic. Gothic. Oh, that makes more sense. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, they look like, uh, what they look like are giants. Uh, sperm. Or that. Squids, slugs. Like there's a kind of a bunch of different first, shapes yeah the first uh like the older ones they look mm-hmm. like giant squids i think that's mm-hmm. kind of what they're going for yeah some of them even look like mantas like yeah. there's a kind they of they have like a very sea creature kind of yeah appearance. um yeah but it's very large and it's like the equivalent of an imperial battleship so like which is huge yeah like it's like eight kilometers or something like i don't know the exact measurements but it's i think it changes kilometers yeah, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so it's just this huge, massive ship that just spawns things and controls the entire fleet. Uh, we also have what are called Tyranid cruisers. <laughs> when I read these, some of these uh, the ship names are like super creative, and others are like, oh, that's just going to be a Tyranid cruiser. <laughs> like, <laughs> We've run out of animal names. <laughs> yeah, where others are like Krakens or Narvals. No halls. Narwhals. Narwhals. <laughs> the most feared creature. <laughs> um, so these uh, Tyranid cruisers are arguably the largest threat in the Tyranid fleet. What's crazy about them is they're not a synapse creature. So if you lose one, it's not a big deal. But this also makes them highly expendable and highly aggressive. And uh, they're known for just having like huge acid, acid maws. And they fly towards enemy ships and they just spit acid. And they also have like either pincers or tentacles on them, and they're just like start hitting the ship like That's physically. That's just so crazy to, to like think, think of. about that. Like, yeah. and these things too are like kilometers long. Yeah, like wild. Yeah, and they probably have like nids that are Crocky, like on board. <laughs> I'm gonna jump on his back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have gotta pro- show it who's boss. <laughs> Ride it to the sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but they probably have like boarding ships of hormigons and stuff. So when they like, well, like gotta, take a bite out of it, yeah, they literally release like a bunch like, of creatures. What if creatures. he like, latches on? Yeah. Like, and then his like throat just like, like vomits into the ship or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like it's kind of crazy actually. Very um, organic. Th- there's a bunch of different patterns too. Like some are like razor backs and some are razor maws and some are, you know, they have a bunch razor of Razor pincers. But most of these, razor pincers, yeah. <laughs> most of these like have a huge bioacid cannon and they like lash it or pinch it to death like enemy ships to death to death pinch it yeah yeah pincer it <laughs> um we also have krakens and these are relatively small and ask, act as escorts wow escorts Ooh, and scouts escorts yeah i wonder how expensive they are <laughs> you think and, they have a good conversation <laughs> no you think they'll dress up for me <laughs> no They'll eat your brains, I guess. Oh. Uh, and they I'm operate lonely. in... Oh. <laughs> Don't you have a girlfriend? <laughs> I want to have shit. Um, they operate in giant swarms and are often birthed during battle. Oh, and cool. like, yeah. It's they- so poetic. It's like life and death all at the same time. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a dumb life quote that Eric said earlier. Uh, there's different types of these, but most of them involve just ramming enemy ships or like hitting them with tentacles or taking bites out of them. But like, what's crazy about them is there's just so many that whenever you get close enough to uh, like the hive ship, they all just like swarm. Yeah, around and like it would just jam. Yeah. like your communications. Yeah. It'll jam like, your air vents or whatever. Yeah, I don't think they're that small. They're they're still big. Yeah, but um, but it like if something's like coming in swarms, like hmm. it's gonna ram you. Yeah. But, like, even if you shot, like, a missile barrage at, like, a hive ship, these ones would go and intercept and, like... it. Yeah. So, we also have drone escorts, and they are heavily armed and super slow. But these are the last line of defense for the hive ship. Okay. They'll be super close to it, and anything that gets past all these, uh... Um... Are so, uh, past the Krakens the, or yeah, whatever. supposed to be shot down by these guys. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, if any missiles get by, they're heavily armored, and they'll go and absorb, like, the blows. Right. We also have Vanguard drone ships, and these are long-range scout ships of the Hive Fleet. They'll actually go and find suitable planets and infect them in genes too. So they're sent pew, out, pew. yeah, they're sent out like across the galaxy, really, and just say they, they seed these planets with gene sewers. 
Um, they don't really return home ever, but Why they do. Why would you need to? Yeah, they do on occasion, but it's pretty rare. Like, you'd have to be in the same system already. Uh, you know? Yeah, I wonder if at some point, like, so anyone who's piloting these Vanguard drone ships or nothing like, on there, like it's a living alive. creature, it's like creature. nothing pilots it. Okay, sorry, but so the Vanguard drone ships, like. What if they're like, oh man, we got like a good new upgrade from this last thing. Like, call our all our drone ships back so we can like absorb them and make. Yeah, them. exactly. Like they'd yeah. have to find something very key in like a genetic strand or something like that that they would have to actually physically bring back. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's kind of them. We also have narvals, and these are the crazy ships. We've mentioned them before. We have. Yeah. Um, but they allow the fleet faster than light travel. And uh, they're, they're super tiny. Like, who knows what super tiny is? They're probably still a kilometer long. Like, <laughs> super tiny. Super tiny. But, like, the whole front of them is just covered in these, like, sensory apparatus and, like, quills and stuff. And uh, they also have no weaponry on them. They're just covered in these, like, sensory quills. And what ends up happening is they have sensors that can t- t- detect uh, the gravitational fields of faraway planets and lock onto them, creating kind of like a uh, some kind of slipstream or like gravitic it, slipstream. Yeah, it's like a magnet thing. It's really yeah, weird. Yeah, they don't exactly get into the science of it because well, it's not. It's Tyranid technology, so yeah, how could humanity exactly. even hope to understand? But they they somehow open up this corridor that allows the entire fleet to like get into it and p- creates like a faster than light travel. But what's wild about this is like this ship is literally locking onto like planets like magnetic fields or like gravity and it ends up sending that planet's like gravity into crazy flux um so like you'll get like the planet like years before uh, an invasion even gets to it will like suffer like earthquakes it's volcanoes it's like cataclysmic yeah like yeah like tectonic plates are shifting volcanoes like they're polarized tidal waves melting. Are, yeah they're going through ice oh. ages is that what's happening to earth right now might be we have to warn people <laughs> <laughs> the tyranids are coming <laughs> But yeah, like this, without this, they would not be like super dangerous. But uh, I'm sure they can just regrow them. So it's not like you could just go into the fleet and just shoot them down and be like, haha, now you're trapped right, exactly. here. Right, like, Anything here can just be rebirthed. Yeah, except for hive ships. Sure, that one just you need would a, take a lot more. You need a hive ship, I think, to birth a hive ship. Well, well, not necessarily. What well, came when first? a mommy hive ship and a daddy hive ship. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> really what came other. first, the chicken or the egg? Or the what cock. if there's a finite number of. Uh, Hive ships. I don't know. Maybe no. there is. Maybe. That's, you don't know that. Well, no. Like, there, I mean, like there there's might, so many. There, there might like, even be. I think. The, no, no. That, there's not I a finite number because, like, hive ships can birth other hive ships. Is that stated anywhere? Yeah, that's how they create new hive ships. So that's it, how they well, create. No, how like, is this even a question? Why are we even asking this? Because no, where did the first hive ship come from? Uh, obviously from a tyrant gaunt it's like a giant circle <laughs> well uh, no. it's a circle of life eric uh, have you ever heard of uh, it uh, like <laughs> probably like the genetic code for that ship is within every single thing that can create something and as soon as you have enough biomass and enough energy it will just birth it it's like i kind of see it as like a an orc thing like if you need it and you have what's available yeah you'll get it yeah yeah kind of yeah just yeah. the, the Tyranids a lot more targeted. Yeah. The orcs are a lot more, oh, now me like a gun. Yeah. <laughs> so another ship that they have are called Rebirth Vessels. And these ones are weird. Um, They usually, like, they're, once again, they're super small. But what is super small? What? All I can think of is the Superman ship with, like, the, you know, where they make the Doom, what's his face? 
What's the new Doomsday? Superman? Super, yeah, Superman versus Batman, and they make is Doomsday, Doomsday yeah. in that like pool. Yeah. That's what I think of this ship is. It's just a big ship with a pool in it, <laughs> and it's for rebirthing ceremonies. <laughs> the Tyranids come to be reborn. <laughs> you walked in a gaunt. Now walk out a termagant. <laughs> uh, okay. All right, I'm done. <laughs> um, but they're, they're tiny, and they usually like hide around like the high ship's underbelly or shadow and okay. like they're not a combat craft at all but they also don't rely on like the psychic uh field or like the synapse of the hive ship um and they, so they operate with some kind of individuality yeah um which is very unique for any of the hive ships mm-hmm. like because it has its own it's actually said to like generate its own synapse um which none of the other ships do this they all rely on the hive ship and what it will end up doing it will, like when a planet is invaded it will like go into the atmosphere of the planet and drop off like creatures like the swarm lord it'll drop off like not- uh, notable commanders of the like tyranid force eye. yeah um, sure. old one eye bad example but sure why is that a bad example because he's lost on a planet and he's the, alive he's kicking yeah he's alive doing his thing but but yeah like and like its sole purpose i think is like to hoard like or to have like the genetic uh, DNA of like these commanders and just hold on to it. For some reason, the, these are kept separate than the rest of the Tyranid but creatures. But it, it can't be only that though, because one of the reasons that Tyranid commanders are so dangerous it's that they know what killed them and they're yeah. able to counter that. So that can't, that's not going to be just genetic. There's because if the commander is killed, yeah, like on it the has planet, like it has like its own psychic ability. Right, so that's like, what I'm thinking. Like, yeah, like, it's like a link with the commander. Yeah, like and then all that data is uploaded to the to that ship, creature, and yeah. then it's it like molds this. Yeah, yeah it's creature. just crazy that this is its own ship, and it's, it's not, not just, the high fleet. Yeah, exactly. So not, it doesn't come from the hive ship. Yeah, that's odd. Yeah, and the last thing is the tyrannocyte, and these are just another name for like tyranid spores. Like mycetic spores are just another type of drop pod, or okay, like nothing. But they're alive. They are, yeah. Well, yeah. And like they drop onto the planet, and then they got like little tentacle, tentacle things. And just got like around. everything around them. Yeah, like, <laughs> kind of weird. So <laughs> uh, it's good. <laughs> so I'm sure there's also like hundreds of different variations, and even within like some of these categories, like um, the Krakens, there's one ship that uh, has like an EMP built into it. So when it comes into contact with like force fields and stuff, it discharges and disrupts force fields. Like they have all these different variations with inside of each of these. Yeah. And they'll birth it depending on what they need. Yeah. Yeah. They're like a ship class, but the ship can be modified yeah. individually. To yeah. Whatever weapon. Uh, they have mean. feelings. They're alive. <laughs> they're alive. <laughs> we need to protect Tyranids. They're, <laughs> yeah. they're an endangered species. They're just trying to protect themselves. <laughs> We're the monsters. He <laughs> <laughs> the worst. I mean, we are the monsters. We killed billions of our own people. <laughs> that was for fun, though. Crypt it's different. <laughs> Instead of Christian, Crypt man. <laughs> um, Yeah, but so as we went through these main three fleet or fleets, um, the one thing that all of them had in common was their end came after like the Tyranid High fleet itself was destroyed. Like, in order for you to truly, like, defeat the Nids, you can't just win a ground campaign. 
Like, they're going to come back. Right, because all of their rebirth stuff, uh, like how they create their swarms, how they create their commanders, how they store their data, it's all kept in the yeah. fleet. Yeah, and when you assault the fleet, it's made up of, like, thousands of these different ships that, like, just are ramming you and tentacle rip whipping you and, like... And shooting massive macro acid weapons at you and yeah. boarding you and pinching you and mm, stuff. Squeezing. Mm. Tentacle whip. Mm. Wait, <laughs> we're getting a little slanted. Yes, yeah, so, is this Tyranid or is this a Friday night at my house, boys? I don't know what's going on. So yeah, that's that's kind of all we had planned to talk about for the episode. Yeah, like, that's that's the main three Tyranids fleets. How, what they've done. Um, that's their composition. Is is the total of those ships? Yeah. Well, some knowledge fleets, bombs. Three fleets. Three dudes. Which one would you be? Hmm. I'm like a, okay. I'm not very I, subtle. I was gonna say Mark's behemoth. Yeah, I'm not very subtle. <laughs> He's like a battering ram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, Both sexually and mentally. If <laughs> if there was ever a man who uh, embodied that lack of intelligence, let's say <laughs> I don't want to say that. But I'll okay. say it. It's fine. <laughs> then all right, Mark's behemoth. Okay. Um, I'm going to say Eric is, or Christian is Leviathan because he, I would agree with that. He thinks he's clever and he thinks he's trapping every, all these systems into his sticky, <laughs> messy plot. It, but he's not. He's really just screwing himself over. I'll be cracking. That's fine. I use gene stealers. Yeah, you don't want, you don't want to spend, pregnant things. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to spend time around you. You just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just sending Always my little ones off. Yeah. Oh, gross. That's, that's, I'm Dr- glad, uh, Jordan, what would you be? Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> just that like, was such a good one, Jordan. You're so funny. It's just like every episode. He's had pretty much the same amount of input. <laughs> hey. It's funny because like, we could talk all the shit we want about right now. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, he won't He's not going to listen. No, of course not. Or Actually, maybe he, he might because this is going to require some heavy editing <laughs> on this episode. <laughs> Jordan, we love you. Um, please don't leave. I stood up from last episode. Oh, so good. I did, yeah. I said, Jordan, you're welcome here because you do the details we don't oh, want to do. smells good, too. So. Mm-hmm. I also enjoy touching him because he doesn't really say anything <laughs> like just, other people. <laughs> so it just allows me to mm-hmm. do what I need to do to yeah. get my stuff done with him. Um, Anyways, that's so it. You want you want to hear a, a Mark Forty K rant of the day? I do want to hear a Mark Forty. As long as it's not about Primaris Marine. No, no, it's not. Okay. And the rant also comes with pluses. Oh, I'm quite happy. Oh, good. Quite. That's rare. Content. It is rare. But I also have some hatred to spew. <laughs> that's normal. <laughs> that's expected. <laughs> um. So the Knight Armager. Oh. Helverins, the ones with the twin auto cannons. They're fucking sweet. Like, they're probably one of my all-time favorite models now. Um, I do, What are you doing that? Why are you doing that face? Uh, Necron models are way cooler. Oh, okay. Well, obviously. I, yeah. But they're cool. Like, I don't... It's not that I don't like the the Warglaive ones, like the Melt and the Chainsword one. It's just... If you want that setup, if you want that look, you can get, like, a full-size knight. But, like, sure. I don't know. There's just something about, like, the auto cannons. It just looks sweet. But here's my piss off about it. So they released the Warglaives and their shoulder plates, their toe armor, and their greave armor, or I guess it'd be thigh armor. It is all Mechanicum armor. Then when you buy the Helverin, it's all Imperial armor. These sons of bitches at Games Workshop are fucking us, though, because they're <laughs> all, fucking us all hard. All four of us who collect 
Me specifically. <laughs> but like, so in literally every... Armager players unite. Mark gets one message. <laughs> hey, I also like the armagers. <laughs> it's bullshit. It's bullshit. So all the other Imperial Knights, it's like when you buy a knight, it can be built in like 10 different ways. Like it actually gives you all the weapon options for that knight. Well, this one, like the Warglaive and the Helverin are two separate knights. It's kind of retarded. And when you look at the sprue size, it's only like a four by eight sprue. Not even. Like, it's super tiny. Yeah. Like, it's. You were showing me the other night. It's ridiculous. But what the piss off is, it's like, so now if I want Armager Warglaives with uh, Imperium aligned armor plates, I would have to buy a Warglaive. Or, no, I mean a Helverin to get those ones. But then I have a Helverin that doesn't have any armor, and vice versa if I want a Mechanicum based one. It's just like. So. It, it's really dumb. It's I retarded. It's bad. Because, like, for someone, like, most, I think a lot of people won't care, right? A lot no. of people, they won't understand the difference between no. a Mechanicum and an Imperial Knight. No. But for someone who specifically does this because they love the setting and you want to be as accurate as possible as you play this game, it would really piss me off, too, if like, I had to do that. If, exactly. Like, if I wanted like, this knight that has this loadout, but I need the armor from the other knight that I don't need at all. So. Yeah. And, I get that. Yeah, like, it's just, like, because now, now they have different armor plates. And it's just like, oh, come on. like. So now you have to buy I, Like, I would rather pay an extra 10 bucks. I'd rather them gouge me even more money and I get both sprues than not get them. Like, it's just, it's retarded. The other retarded thing is, like, you can do these units in units of one to three, but they come in box sets of two. So then you have to buy four and now then you're like well now that i have four i might as well buy two more so now i have six but that's nothing new with games work no like that's right? just like, that's good business like in a neck in a necron like thing so you <laughs> necron warriors like they start at 10 and you can go all the way up to 20 but yeah. they sell the necrons in packs of 12 yeah so like if why you, would, if why you would buy they two if you buy two now you have 24 so if if you, you want to run a full buy. unit, like you, <laughs> you have, have to buy five box sets. You have to buy five box sets if to you get want that. three full units. Yeah. So it's just it, it it just is a weird thing to it do. It is an unfortunate thing for all of us yeah. who support Games Workshop. Yeah. And if you're listening, I, at least take me to dinner over. first before you Yeah, no, me. it's just it's like it's one of those things where it's blatantly obvious, like yeah. that they're doing it just for money. And uh, and it's yeah. smart, and they're all sharing sure, a five I, million pound bonus. I can't blame them for making money; they're a company. But yeah. still, like sometimes but I it just would be get nice a little to see some customer satisfaction. And they have yeah. been pretty good, but every now and again they do something where it's just well, it makes it, me scratch my head. What were you talking about? Head. Your shoulder pads, where they come in like packs of nine, like your blister packs. Oh yeah, so when you buy an Ultramarine upgrade kit or a Blood Angel one for like Primaris Marines, it comes in the box of nine. But how many S- Space Marines? Squads are ten. When you buy a box set, it's ten Marines. Like, what the fuck is that? So you need to like, buy an entire another blister pack for one, for one more Marine. Yeah. Like, that, it's, it's bad. It's such a it's, joke. It's bad. Um, and my other rant... <laughs> About Imperial Guys, I swear we're actually really happy people. No, I, most I, of the I time. actually love Imperial Knights. Like, if you've been talking to me personally, I'm like, I can't wait to play with this army. It's yes. so fucking good. We like, actually are really happy people. Just this is our place. This is where we go to. Every now unload. and again. Yeah. Uh, my other. My I other, don't normally uh, unload here. I unload privately. <laughs> That's weird, Christian. In the presence of loved ones. <laughs> <laughs> I leave you up, you to define what loved ones are to you. <laughs> Parents. <laughs> Continue with Siblings. your rant, Mark, you sick bastard. Um, my rant is the difference of Games Workshop and Forge World. Like, okay. they're different, but they're the same. And 
it just is upsetting once again being an imperial knight player when i have five imperial knights from uh, forge world yet they're not in my codex which i understand but it's well, yeah they'll never like sorry they've never going. done that like i understand sure like that's uh, whatever but like in order to get like uh to fulfill like uh command points or whatever like I would have to bring an X amount of Imperial Knights, but any Forge World Knights I bring, they don't contribute to that X amount. And it's just like, really? Like, you're penalizing me now for paying already for a, a model that's way more expensive, both money and points. And I, I, I don't ever want to bring a Forge World Knight now because I'm already so limited in my Imperial Knight choice. I can't, I can't spare it for one of these cooler Knights. Okay. In like, all fairness, I don't know anyone who would play a pure Knight um you, army well you just never met wait hold on say that again sorry i don't know any rational or because ah, i'm like you know me <laughs> who would play i'm a, that guy who would play a pure knight army no one else is doing that everyone else is supplementing like no one's building an actual lord of war detachment unless they're paying like a three thousand point yeah game, it's not the most practical thing and you're fighting or like something titans yeah right. it's not so, the most practical so but most people aren't trying to build command points with their knights no but still it's just right? like they're, they're getting those command points really cheaply by fulfilling it with IG yeah, stuff. Yeah, you just right? take 150 or 180 points of IG. No exactly, and then you're it, getting like your three command points or whatever. It, it just, it's frustrating to have models from Forge World, which I paid a lot of money for, and just seeing them like get penalized. Like my Knight yeah, to me my final odd. Yeah, like my final rant is the Knight Proferion, the Knight Acastus Proferion. It's supposed to be the biggest, like most powerful, heavy fire support knight out there. And then they release the Valiant and the Castellian, which have a dozen more guns on them and like they're still the size of a normal imperial knight so it's like they just i i pay 900 points for my acastus because it's forge world i pay 500 bucks for my acastus because it's forge world or i could just buy uh a valiant or a castellian and get everything that's better like it's just it's like it's kind of fucked in my yeah. mind it just it's when you spend that much money and then for reasons that I don't even know why why they don't combine the two. Like, I just don't understand. Or at the very least, like, communicate with each other. Yeah, I just yeah, don't They don't understand. have to, like, produce like, at the same, but, like, it, one should know what the other one is going to do. No, there's yeah. no way they, they don't, don't know. like, double no release. But, like, yeah, or, like, yeah. why would my Imperial Knights not have all the Imperial Knights in that codex? Like, is it really so much of a burden on them to print three extra pages yeah, of Imperial Knights? Yeah, it gets expensive. Next, like, <laughs> it's just, Forge World stuff is never included in your codex. No, and it never has been, but why i oh. just so you could buy another what book if? that doesn't it's just a piss off man it's just a piss off eh. but like yeah so sure like, yeah. i get that one but that's never gonna change the thing no. is your, but it should your stuff not being included in and counting towards your like house your house rules or whatever yeah that should be faq'd to me and, that's and some ridiculous. of this stuff will it be will, because but... like even my necron pieces like they still have in their like dynasty yeah. yeah so i can ascribe them whatever dynasty yeah. i want them to yeah. be a part of unless it's like a pylon in which case it can't benefit from yeah that, right? so it's just it's just i i really like the new imperial knight codex like the armagers change the way imperial knights work you can actually do an all imperial knight army and feel like well, you're actually playing and not debatable. just you have two mo models on the field Debatable. You're never playing me unless it's Imperial Knights, so just accept the fact <laughs> and get over it. I just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, but, I'm excited to, yeah. to play against them. Yeah, and if it's completely trash, like I'll switch. Like of course. If, if we're not having fun with me playing with them, I'm not... I've never played with my Imperial Knight army once, and I own 12, How many of 12 women yeah, of exactly. Warlord. So, yeah. Because I knew it would never be fun to play with them. It was but, never, yeah. 
But well, anywho, that, that's my rant. Thanks for listening. If you agree with me, send me a message. If you hate me, send me a message. Either um, way, talk with him. He's lonely. <laughs> I'm lonely, lonely man. Yeah. So, yeah, Anyways, it's hot as balls in this room. Yeah. I want to um, get out of here. Uh, message us, guys. We love feedback on anything and everything. Uh, you can email us, lorehammerpodcast at uh, gmail.com. You can Facebook us. Just search Lorehammer. Uh, you can rate and review us on iTunes, which would be absolutely awesome for us. Um, what's another one? You can find us on uh, Redbubble, which is where we sell a bunch of Lorehammer branded merchandise. Uh, if you want to start taking a look at the projects we're kind of working on, you could check us out on Patreon. Um, again, we're very involved on Facebook, so if you have any other questions, you'll see all that stuff there. Yeah. Uh, other than that, this is Eric signing out, saying hasta luego, arrivederci, and sayonara. Magucha mustapan el diablo. Christian, are you going to say goodbye to our loyal fans? And they're not my fans. No, no. I owe them nothing. That's true. <laughs> They've taken the everything they from me. The reason they hate you is because you have that attitude. <laughs> if yeah. you just did what I did and no, bend I'm, over for I'm them. I'm doubling down on, on my stance, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start making fun of the fans. I'm going to take this time to, uh, the to lore, berate and belittle them. The just as long losers? as you don't call them faggots, apparently we're not allowed to say that word. <laughs> so just don't say the word faggot. I've already determined that these our fans are lore losers. <laughs> well, you're doing a better job than I am of making fun yeah. of them. I like I like calling them lore losers. What's up, lore losers? It's Eric. It's your boy. What's up, lore losers? It's your boy Eric. Back at you again. Good thing uh, you don't. You're not in charge of the Facebook page. I'm definitely Good in charge thing. of the Facebook. All right, guys. See you later.